right. Good morning, good afternoon, wherever you are, whenever you are. I'm John. This is the American Christian Podcast and Video. Um, so we're going to try this again. I actually already recorded this, but uh, had a little bit of technical technical difficulties there. So that would be why it's coming a little bit later. Um, so today we're going to talk about... This is a subject I've actually wanted to address for a while, but... Uh, this is one that's a little more difficult to address. You're talking about um, the infinite versus the finite. So it's just a little bit more difficult and I wanted to be sure that I was prepared to talk on this subject. Um, so we're gonna be talking about the Trinity today, the doctrine of the Trinity. So a lot of people confuse the doctrine of the Trinity with modalism. A lot of people who say that they deny the Trinity um, actually, what they're denying isn't really the Trinitarian doctrine. It has to do, they're denying modalism, which, of course, the Trinitarian would as well. Um, these are the idea, like, God is like water. You know, he's in, you know, he he's one, wa you know, he's water, he's H2O, but at the same point, he can take three forms. Like, that's not what we're talking about here. Um... So, like I said, I wanted to make sure that I was going to be teaching this appropriately, and uh, I feel that I can do that, so I'm going to attempt to choose my words very wisely and make a case for it. So, we're going to start by laying out a definition, and the definition that I have, I actually borrowed which is a better word for stole, from Dr. James White from his book, The Forgotten Trinity. Um, that is a very good book if you're looking to study the doctrine. It's a really good base, like, starting point. It's not an exhaustive work, but it does list out um, the scriptural qualifications, the reasons why um, the Trinity is a biblical concept. Um, so that is, again, The Forgotten Trinity by Dr. James White. Uh, I would highly recommend it. I would recommend a lot of his works, actually, but especially that one for this specific topic. So the way that he defines it, he says, Within the one being that is God, there exists eternally three co-equal and co-eternal persons, namely the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So he breaks this down uh, very wisely, and he picks his words uh, very well in order to emphasize exactly what we're talking about. So he points, he makes three main points. Um, the first one, he points out that the Trinitarian doctrine is very, very monotheistic. Um, mono meaning one, theos meaning God, so one God. The doctrine of the Trinity does not separate from that. There is one God who is, his being is God. Um, the second point is that there are three persons who are, they're three separate persons, but they are all the one being of God. So that would be the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. So the Father is 100% God of himself. The Son is 100% God of himself. And the Holy Spirit is 100% God of himself. So this isn't the Father is 
a third of God. This isn't the Son is a third of God and the Holy Spirit is a third of God. That's not what we're talking about. We're not talking about um, we're not talking about divisions in the Godhead. We're talking about separation in persons, but not in being. So um, think of being as nature, person as essence. So what we're dealing with, just to give it a little more explanation, if I were to point to myself, I can say, what am I? I'm a human being. In by my being, my nature is human. I can point to that tree. I don't have a tree in this room, but I can point to a tree and I can say, what is that? It's being as a tree. But now if I were to point to myself, I can say, who am I? The answer would be, I'm John. But I can't point to the tree unless we decide to do this really weird and name the trees. But whether you name it or not, there's not a personhood involved in the tree. So it has being, but it's not a person. A rock has being, but it's not a person. So that would be the difference that we're talking about when we talk about one being of God or one nature of God and three persons, three separate distinct persons who are of themselves one God, the one nature, the one being of God. And then the third point would be that each of the three separate distinct persons in the Godhead are fully God, as we explained. They're co-equal, they're co-eternal. So there's no, um, we're not talking about like subdivisions or anything like that. We're talking about we have three persons, they're completely equal, they are all three eternal, and uh, they're all 100% God. There's no... Uh, no separation in the being. So, um, the Trinity is a hard one to discuss because what you find is you find a lot of people who claim to be Trinitarian don't actually have a good, solid understanding of what the Trinity is. We use these phrases like, God is like water, or if you've ever heard, God is like a clover. He is, you know, it's one clover, but it has three leaves, so the three and the one. And we understand, okay, the three and the one, but when you dig deeper, you know, when we when you give this at a grade school level, at, you know, five years old, whatnot, you give this to your five-year-old, okay, that might help for a while. But as they grow... If they don't learn to understand what the biblical doctrine actually is, if you're going for something like that, you're not going to get the doctrine of the Trinity. If you're going for something like water, you're going to wind up with modalism. You're not going to understand these things. And the reason behind that is because God himself is completely unique. We don't have... Um, we don't have anything like it in the created order that would perfectly explain what God is or who God is. It doesn't, it's not something that's really going to fit in our brain. We're trying to explain the finite 
or the infinite with the finite. So even when we're using language, you know, we already have a blockade in front of us because we're trying to use a limited language to express an infinite being. It just, it's not going to be completely perfect. You're not going to be able to completely do that. You're not going to be able to exhaust the one person or the one being in the three persons of God. You're not going to be able to express that to the fullest extent. But what we can do is express it the way that God has revealed it. And that is what we're going to be doing. God has revealed himself in such a manner um, where we have one God. We know that. And there are the three distinct persons who are all called God, who are co-equal, co-eternal. So today we're going to focus on that first point. We're going to focus on the monotheistic point. Um, you would think that, especially from a Christian context, that this would be pretty much a given. But it's actually, to a true Christian context, yes, it's a given, but not every Christian who claims to be a Christian, not everyone who claims Christianity actually understands that point. For example, um, Mormonism would use terms like Trinity. Some Mormons would use terms like Trinity. Not all, as a matter of fact, um, the Mormons that I've known who have understood the doctrine of the Trinity have actually denied it flat out. It doesn't work with their theology. But then you have maybe some uh, Mormons who don't quite understand what the doctrine teaches, and they think that, yeah, that's what they believe. They believe what the doctrine of the Trinity is. But they actually don't. What they believe is they believe three separate distinct gods. They believe he's united, or that he, there's unity between the three, and that's where you get the Godhead. But they're not co-equal, they're not co-eternal. Um, and not even at that, they're not the only gods either. Uh, Joseph Smith taught that God was once a man who was highly exalted to be a god. Um, he taught you can become a god one day over your own celestial planet. This is clearly not the Christian doctrine that we're referring to. Um, you also have say, you know, henotheism, which would be the idea of one daddy god, one real creator god, and lesser uh, created gods, created gods. Um, Jehovah's Witness, the Jehovah's Witnesses are a good example, a good modern example of that today. Um, they believe, clearly, the Father God, he is real God, he is the creator and he creates Jesus, the first greatest creation, Michael the Archangel. And then Michael the Archangel creates everything else. So God the Father creates those things through him, but it's Michael that does this. And then Michael the Archangel gets put in human form. That is the person of Jesus in their definition. Um, clearly, this is not Trinitarian. This is more along the lines of henotheism, the idea where you have, as I just explained, 
um, the creator God, and then you have lesser created gods. But that doesn't work with the biblical narrative either. So we're going to talk a little bit more about that. But I want to kind of hit in, there's the only one God point, the monotheism point. So, Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 6 says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord, your, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. So, he starts off, or the, what it starts off with is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Yahweh our God. Yahweh is one. So we have one God, and he himself is one. Okay, so there's not a plurality of gods going on. There is only one God. Um, this becomes clearer when you come down to Isaiah 43.10, where it says, You are my witnesses, declares the Lord, and my servants whom I have chosen, that you may know and believe and understand that I am he. Before me, no God was formed, and nor shall there be after me. So, when you take these together, when you take the whole narrative of the Bible together, you have Yahweh, the Lord, which is the one God. He comes down in Isaiah, he says, you will believe and understand that I am he, that I am that one God, that I am the one true God. Before me, there was no God formed, nor shall there be after me. So that alone really destroys that doctrine in the uh, Mormon belief. You're not going to become a God. God is not a God who had other gods before him, um, which means he could not have been exalted to be in his position. He would have just had to have been in his position. God is an eternal God. That's a point that we're actually going to make as we continue here as well. Um, this also kind of destroys the idea that the Jehovah's Witnesses put out about how Jesus is a created God. They'll point to John 1.1 and they'll say where it says, uh, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God, while the New World Translation translates it as a God. And the argument is because there's not the definite article in front of theos. But when you actually read it, you find out that it's qualitative. It's not meant to be a definite statement. Otherwise, we'd have modalism. And again, that's not what the biblical narrative is teaching. If you had modalism, then the second clause in John 1.1 would have already been destroyed. But I have a whole video on that on YouTube. I might even teach through it again while we're talking about the Trinity just to... Uh, have it on this platform. But yeah, so basically, you have Hero Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. So there's only one God. And then he says, Before me no God was formed, nor shall there be after me. So clearly, there's one God. Never has there been, never will there be another God, another created God, whatever it is. It's not going to happen. So... Another aspect that you need to understand when you're dealing with God is God is creator. Um, Isaiah 44, 24 says, Thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, who formed you from the womb, I am the Lord who made all things, who alone stretched out the heavens, who spread out the earth by myself. So God, clearly he creates. 
he forms us in the womb, which is a good argument when you're talking about abortion and the rights of the human being that's in the womb, but that's not this video. I have videos on that too. Um, who alone stretches out the heavens. So he does this by alone. He has, doesn't have help with it. He spreads out the earth by himself. There is no help. So this again refutes the position that Jehovah's Witnesses would put out where they say that uh, God creates Jesus and Jesus creates everything else. That's not how it works. He didn't have other people creating for him or other beings created for him or whatever it is that you want to say. He is doing this by himself. The one being that is God is doing this by himself. So if you have another being, if you have, whether it be another separate ontological God or whether it be a created lesser God, it's not going to work because Yahweh God is saying he alone did this. So Jeremiah 10 verse 11 says, Thus you shall say to them, The gods who did not make the heavens and the earth shall perish from the earth and from under the heavens. This is very, very clear. When you're dealing with false gods or lesser gods, so to speak, not lesser in the same sense that we were just talking about with henotheism, but the idea um, that Jeremiah is being referred to as against the idols of the nation, against the false gods, um, that these gods or these idols who are created are going to pass away with the rest of creation. So if Jesus was created himself, then he's going to pass away with the rest of creation. That is not only a false Christ, but that is a Christ who cannot save because when we need him, when we go to stand before him, guess where he's going to be? He's not going to be, he's going to be passed away. He's going to be passed away like the rest of creation. So where's he going to be? We, we're not going to have our salvation. Where's, where's our mediator going to be? He's not going to be there anymore. So, yep, so we've addressed the one God. This one God is the creator. He's the only God that can possibly be, and he proves this by creation. Um, Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Very simple. I mean, that's just like in the easiest creation statement ever. When you... You can't come from a position that says, oh, well, the universe is eternal when you look at that. You can't do it looking at science either, but there are some that have claimed. Um, but when you look at this clause, you can't come, you can't unite the Christian worldview with the idea that uh, God isn't creator. It's clear um, from the very first verse in the Bible. Not only that, but when you actually think about what that implies. So if you're dealing with everything that's in creation, the heavens and the earth, that would be the Jewish way of saying the entire universe, when you're dealing with all of creation and this God must supersede the creation, so what would that say? It would say that God of himself is eternal. He's before all the created order. 
So if God makes the created order consisting of time, space, and matter, then he of himself cannot be bound to time, space, and matter. So if he himself is not bound to time, space, and matter, and he transcends it, what would that say? Well, he's not bound to time, so he must be eternal, right? Um, Psalm 102, 25-27 says, Of old you laid the foundations of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you will remain. They will all wear out like a garment. You will change them like a robe, and they will pass away. But you are the same, and your years have no end. So again we see this aspect that God, as creator, points to eternality. How do we find that? Well, what does it say? You are the same, and your years have no end. So if the years have no end, what would that point to? It would point to when time stops, he continues on. So he's not bound to time. What would that say about his starting point? It would say that he doesn't have a starting point. So God is creator. Because we know that he is creator, that means he must be eternal. So if God is truly God... He is the only God, He is eternal, and He's the Creator. So, when you come to say passages like, like in Colossians, for example, Colossians says that all things are created through Jesus, that Jesus creates all things. Well, that doesn't really work, unless you have the mindset that says Jesus Himself is God. If Jesus himself is not God, then we don't... Then either the scripture is speaking heresy, or we have a wrong worldview to begin with. It's that simple. If you're talking about Jesus being a created being or being a separate ontological God, well, there's only one God that the scripture talks about, and that one God is the creator who creates all things by himself, and he is eternal. There is no other God beside him. There is no God before him, nor shall there be after him. There's no room for a created God. There's no room for a lesser God. There's no room for a separate, eternal God. No, it doesn't work. So now, what we're going to do, not today but in future videos uh, and and audios we're going to examine exactly how the Bible speaks when dealing with these three persons and how does the Bible define the separation of the persons and the how they are all God that's what we're going to be looking at through this so I hope that turns out good. Um, one more point that I wanted to just make real quick is the reason why this is important is because John 4.24, it says that God is spirit and that those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. So if we have, first off, a wrong view of who God is, so say, let's say the Trinity is true, it is biblical, that's how God's revealed himself, and yet we deny that aspect and we worship say a unitarian aspect say like islam 
you know, then we're not really worshiping the same true God. We're actually denying something about God, and we're not worshiping in truth, so it's not really worship. So the worship that we're giving isn't true worship to God in any way. It might be worship to a false God, but it's not worship to God. Um, and let's assume Trinitarianism is wrong. Well, if it's wrong and say the Unitarians are right or say the modalist is right or whatever it is, let's say it's not a biblical concept and that's the God that we're worshiping, then again, we would be worshiping the wrong God. So it's good to look at the scriptures and say, hey, how are you defining this? How did God reveal himself? And if his revelation of himself does not fit with my theology, which one needs to change? Because God doesn't change. When we, count, when we come over here to Psalm 102.27, what does he say? He says, but you are the same and your years have no end. You are the same. And this is a constant point that's made throughout Scripture. God does not change. So can we change God to fit our theology, or should we be changing our theology to fit who God is? I'm, the answer is really simple, isn't it? So we need to come to the Bible with an open mind, not an open mind that says whatever I want it to say, but whatever it is saying is what I'm going to believe. So if it says, yep, there's one God who's revealed himself as three persons, which it does, and we're going to explain that, then that's where we need to lie. Otherwise, we have a major gospel issue on our hands. So, hopefully this blessed you. Um, I hope this all of my content does bless you. If you enjoyed this episode... Um, you can find me at anchor.fm slash American Christian. That's A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M, American Christian. Um, you can find this in podcast forms on Anchor, or you can find it on Spotify. I actually just got accepted to uh, Apple Podcast as well, so I'm up there. Um, like the podcast on Facebook to keep up with the show and to share it with your friends and whatnot and to tell me how much you love me. <laughs> Clearly, I'm not that conceited. Yeah, so, but like us on Facebook and whatnot, the pages, American Christian. Uh, contact me with questions or comments. You can do that by going to anchor.fm uh, slash American Christian, or you can do it by messaging me through Facebook. And yeah, so thank you for listening. My name is Jonathan Kewitt. This is the American Christian Podcast.